Tonight, Victoria, British Columbia's radical environmentalist mayor is coming to Alberta to check out just how we make the oil and to see if we're really as bad as she's pretty sure we are. Will she come with an open mind or is she coming just to quell her critics and not her curiosity? I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed and you're watching The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. On Wednesday, Victoria's mayor, Lisa Helps, says she'll make the long trip to Alberta on April 22nd, and she says she's coming to visit us with an open mind. Now, Helps was invited by Calgary City Councillor Ward Sutherland back in January in a tweet that he sent. Now, Sutherland challenged her to come and learn about Alberta's ethical oil and gas industry and our environmental initiatives in the oil patch. On the agenda, Helps will apparently tour a steam-assisted gravity drainage project near Fort McMurray. April in Alberta, it's not for the faint of heart or the pampered. I hope Helps dresses warm because she's in for a rude awakening. Her trip to Fort McMurray is going to be no fun without our old friend, Fossil Fuels. Helps said, and I quote, I believe in a broad perspective. I believe in building understanding. I can't speak for anyone else, either here or in Alberta, but I think that mudslinging and pointing fingers gets us nowhere. Now I'll get back to that pointing fingers comment from Helps in a second, but Helps also says that she would like to meet with Mayor Nahid Nenshi of Calgary while she's here. I hope Nenshi hides all the pickup trucks and F-350s to impress his new lady friend about just how progressive we all are here in Alberta. Remember this? What I am interested in is just helping everyone in Canada understand that we here in Alberta are not a bunch of, you know, F-350 driving cavemen. Anyway, enough dragging Nenshi. Let's get back to dragging Lisa Helps, shall we? Mayor Helps is a, I'm going to be honest here, a real piece of work. She's been in the news a lot lately. She's like the perfect storm of all the Canadian social justice issues of the day. She's anti-colonialist, she's anti-free speech, she's oozing with misplaced white guilt, she wants to erase history 1984 style, and she's a raging environmentalist to boot. Of course she is. And I'm not even exaggerating a little bit here. I'm probably downplaying just how kooky Helps is. Let's take a quick look back at some of Mayor Helps' recent greatest hits so you know exactly who's going to end up on our doorstep and what kind of open mindset she's coming to visit us with. Let's start with the reason Helps got the invitation to Alberta in the first place. Victoria's City Council endorsed a class action lawsuit along with other BC municipalities to sue oil and gas companies as part of a larger campaign by the Vancouver-based firm West Coast Environmental Law. The lawsuit is supposed to, and I'm quoting here, recover costs arising from climate change from major fossil fuel development. And they told me they're against finger pointing. What these municipalities want the oil and gas companies to do is basically subsidize or really pay for anything that the municipality deems related to climate change, apropos of nothing and proof be damned. 
more snowfall? Well, they want the oil company to pon up, pony up some cash for the snow budget. More rain? Well, then they want the oil company to help with the storm sewer system upgrades. Uh, temperate weather? Causing the grass to grow a little faster on the city streets? Well, then maybe the oil company needs to pay to hire more landscapers for the city. This vague and ridiculous money grab enraged some city councillors in Calgary, and that's what set this whole visit by HELPS in motion. But HELPS was making headlines long before her extortion lawsuit against oil companies. You see, she's the mayor that made international headlines by removing a statue of John A. McDonald from out front of Victoria City Hall as a way to reconcile with First Nations communities. Making the whole thing even crazier, not only was John A. McDonald Canada's first Prime Minister, an important part of our history, but he was also the MP for Victoria for many years. The whole decision to take down the statue to erase history was done in a vote in council without any input from the community outside of a few agitating activists. Help said she discussed the teardown of the statue with what she called the city family, which according to residents of Victoria doesn't actually include them. How weird, what a weird thing to say, the city family. It's very Orwellian. Now the sculptor of the statue described Help's actions as arbitrary and undemocratic. He said, and I'm quoting here, I cannot believe any rational person who has reflected on our history can really think that removing about 150 kilos of bronze from view is going to change our history or help us understand it better. Amen, sculptor. Helps is the kind of person that I would probably just write off as another ill-informed nutcase. One I would imagine has blue hair and far too many cats, problem glasses, and some sort of a woman's places in the resistance t-shirt. The kind who thinks that hiding history just erases it and that we must dig up the dead to scold them for not being woke enough in their time. But I can't do that because she's the elected mayor of the capital of British Columbia and that's what makes her very dangerous. She's got a platform and for some bizarre reason, people think she's credible. And I don't think that she's going to come here to visit us with good intentions in her heart. Now, April 26th, that's a long way off. It's February 22nd today, so I suppose if the anti-fossil fuel mayor of Victoria just starts walking now, she just might make it in time. I mean, though, who am I kidding? Helps won't be dog sledding it here. These anti-fossil fuel elites, they never practice what they preach, and they never make their trips to lecture us and lie about us from the pinnacle of a low-carbon lifestyle. And they never come with an open mind, no matter how, how many times they say they will. They never come to be honest. They never come to be wowed. They're here to be dishonest, to go back to wherever they came from and say they came, but never actually come to see and say the truth. They show up in their private jets and then they transfer themselves into waiting, idling SUVs to see only what they want to see. Rachel Notley's hand-picked co-chair of the Oil Sands Advisory Group, a longtime anti-oil activist named Sapora Berman. She's the one, for those of you keeping track at home, who put an emissions cap on future oil sands development, 
which basically rules out future oil sands development. Well, she went all the way to Fort McMurray to see for herself what was actually happening there. I mean, she spent the better part of two decades fighting against Fort McMurray. She may as well actually go and lay eyes on what she's fighting against, right? That makes sense. Just look at the impression she says she left with here. Well, the tar sands are the single largest and most destructive industrial project on earth. So when you're there, it, you know, it feels a bit like Mordor. Yes, yes, it's nothing but shoeless hobbits running around throwing rings into volcanoes up there in Fort McMurray, just like Mordor. Thanks, Sephora. Do these shameless liars know that there's this thing called Google Earth that you can actually, like, see what Fort McMurray really looks like for yourself? And then there's this also thing called the Internet where people even post pictures of their community so that other people can see them too. Berman saw an open worksite and open worksites, well, they aren't very pretty, no matter what the open worksite is. I bet her fancy house bought with two decades of money earned opposing the people in Alberta was a disgusting open pit before it was completed into luxury also. Remember when Jane Fonda also came to Fort McMurray with an open mind? Old Hanoi Jane jetted up to Fort McMurray and then was scuttled around the town in a black full-sized SUV preventing her from coming into dangerous contact with the locals and anyone else who might disagree with her. Fonda was there at the behest of foreign-funded radicals and indigenous groups and environmentalists. And look what Fonda had to say about beautiful, picturesque Fort McMurray one of the most beautiful and natural cities in the entire world, if you want my humble opinion, after she went on a flyover of an open mine site. Now, just watch. It's, it, it's like someone took my skin and peeled it off my body over a very large surface. I don't want to make a joke about how much plastic surgery Jane Fonda has had, and I know it's a little rude, but you know what, people, she started it. So you know what, I do believe she does know what it's like to have somebody take the skin off her face, peel it off, and then reattach it. I think there's a lot of that going on with Fonda. Anyway, let's move on to the next environmentalist celebrity in his twilight years, who again also said he came to Fort McMurray with an open heart and an open mind just to see for himself. Musician Neil Young came to Fort McMurray and he also had some ridiculous things to say about that beautiful city. Here. The fact is Fort McMurray looks like Hiroshima. Fort McMurray is a wasteland. The, the, the Indians up there and the native peoples are dying. The fuels all over, the fumes everywhere, you can smell it when you get to town. The closest place to Fort McMurray that is doing the tar sands work is 25 or 30 miles out of town and you can taste it when you get to Fort McMurray. People are sick. People are dying of cancer because of this. Now Neil and Jane, they're both from California, which means they might not actually know what pristine, beautiful, clean air and wilderness looks like when they see it. For a couple of reasons, they really don't have clean, pristine land where Jane and Neil are from, not like we have here, but it's also just so smoggy in California that if they did have clean land, you might not be able to see it in the first place. 
In 2018, despite years of Democrat rule and oppressive environmental regulations and policy, Southern California had nearly three solid months, 87 days in a row of smog. Now, smog is actual pollution. It's not like CO2, how the liberals call CO2 pollution, right? Look at this. It's in the LA Times. The ozone pollution spell began June 19th and continued through July and August with every day exceeding the federal health standard of 70 parts per billion somewhere across Los Angeles, Orange, Riverside, and San Bernardino counties. It didn't relent until September 14th when air pollution dipped to moderate levels within federal limits for ozone, the lung-damaging gas in smog that triggers asthma and other respiratory illnesses. So these two fancy pants pampered celebrities flew up to one of, and I'll say it again, the most beautiful and clean places in the world to tell them how to clean up their act. While back home in Southern California, summers are literally toxic. You know what? Beat it, hippies. Fort McMurray doesn't get smog. It might get a little smoke from forest fires once in a while. Last night, I checked in on the air quality in Fort McMurray, and it's a three. Very, very, very low risk. Ironically, and probably much to the surprise of Mayor Helps, it's exactly the same air quality as Victoria at the very same time. Actually, all the lies about Fort McMurray that people were buying from people who claimed they came there with an open mind prompted oil sands activist Robbie Picard to start a video series called Visit Fort McMurray, where he talks about the hidden gems and local beauty of his community. He's trying to dispel the myths about Fort McMurray, not to the people who came and saw and went home and lied anyway, but to the people who might accidentally believe Neil Young or Sephora Berman or Jane Fonda or Lisa Helps in the future. So what's my point here? Besides that, I think you may have picked up by now, I can't stand these people. Is it really worth it to invite these sorts of people to come to Alberta when we know they have bad intentions for us? I don't think we gain anything by dragging these folks past a SAG-D site when they'll never understand it anyway. The only way to change Help's mind is to make her sit down with the people that her bad ideas are hurting. Entrepreneurial Aboriginal bands, oil sands workers, truckers, farmers, families who are struggling to afford their groceries, moms and dads who have been laid off because Rachel Notley tried to buy social license with a carbon tax from somebody exactly like Mayor Lisa Helps. That's what Helps needs to experience when she comes here. That's what they all need to experience, not some polished flyover for rich people. They need to experience reality. Stay with us, more up next after the break. So what happens if the elites won't come to the people and won't listen to the people? Well, then you bring the people to the elites. And that's exactly what my next guest did. Joining me now from Sault Ste. Marie is Haley Weil. She's one of the organizers of the United We Roll convoy that left Red Deer last week and went all the way to Ottawa. Hey, Haley, thanks for joining me. I know it's 
late. We're recording this late. Um, you guys are finally getting a bite to eat. Um, you're on your way back. Um, but I wanted to touch base with you because um, a lot of people are presenting themselves in the media as organizers of the convoy. But I haven't spoken to any of them. I've spoken to you and to Glenn. Um, but I think the media have been very eager to point to anybody loosely associated with the Yellow Vest movement as an organizer, um, as an attempt to discredit you guys. What do you have to say about that? Yeah, I would have to say that I agree with you. Um, I mean, it's been a quick process. It's been about six weeks, but yeah, I would say it was Glenn, myself, and there's a gentleman named Jason Corbeil that was also very instrumental, but basically it was the three of us. That's not to say that we didn't get lots of support. We sure did. But as far as the organization, the logistics, the rallying of the troops, I would definitely say it was uh, it was myself and Glenn for the most part. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, the mainstream media is just so eager to say that everybody's an organizer, but they've actually never spoken to you or reached out to you guys. So um, I, I think that that's one of the big reasons I wanted to have you on was there's a lot of things floating around about the convoy. And instead of going to second people and rumor mongers, I thought I would take it right to you guys. Um, first rumor that's out there. People are actually suggesting that us here at the Rebel, that we um, funded you. Uh, You're kidding. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, we had to crowdfund to send our... <laughs> our on the bus. Are you kidding? I, I know. I know. You charged us, which is fair. I mean, the buses aren't free um, to go on your bus. So I think it's so funny that people are suggesting that we somehow paid you guys to do this thing when we had to crowdfund the few hundred bucks to go. For donations, we reached out to many companies uh, and nobody was interested. To be honest, a week ago, people didn't even take us serious. It's been quite a struggle for us, but somehow, some way, Glenn Carrick kept his confidence about him, and that's why I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make this happen, and I'm really proud that we did. We never gave up. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen even, um, for example, Jesse Brown from Canada Land. He's a bit of a left-wing. Uh, he calls himself a journalist, but also a journalist watcher, and he right. said that you guys f paid uh, fake protesters. Um <laughs> <laughs> who who paid you guys? <laughs> Nobody's paid us anything, but I will say that the support has been absolutely unreal. We pull up to gas stations and people are offering to fill us up. We pull up to little communities and they've got bag lunches and cut carrots and cupcakes with United We Roll. We've basically been paid in love and support by fellow Canadians. Not a, No company was interested in being involved. I don't know if they thought we were too controversial. Maybe they thought we were wackadoodles for what we were about to do. But, I mean, Glenn believed in this so strongly. And, of course, I support him 100%. Um, now, CBC has said um, that your convoy was a magnet for radicalism and extremism. Did you see any of that on My the convoy? On CBC is the radicals. And I'll tell you why I feel that way. I woke up on Tuesday morning super excited to have a voice for Canadians, people who trusted us to represent them here in Ottawa. And... 
my very first phone interview was live, some kind of a traffic report. I'm not sure what it was, but it was CBC. And she dared to ask me the question, what color were the people in my convoy? And so my response to her was, what kind of a question is that? You clearly have a narrative. Our whole convoy is made up of Canadians. We're all different colors. We're all different races, religions. We all have different opinions. But the beauty of United We Roll is acceptance. And we're not putting people in boxes. And it's not an endorsement or not an endorsement. It's respecting that each of us has an opinion and a right to express it. Uh, you know, that's... Uh... That was a great way to deal with the CBC because it's true. They really have um, a predetermined narrative. It, oh, I sure. think it, I think it really didn't matter what you were going to say to the CBC. You could have told them that there were, uh, you were the the minority on on the convoy, and it still wouldn't have been enough because then they would have said, "Well, how many gay truckers do you have?" And then, "How many transgender truckers do you have?" Like we keep quota boxes. Um, like they do down at the CBC. Um, I wanted to ask you, though, like now that we've sort of got the, the gross, terrible stuff out of the way, what was your favorite? <laughs> this is the CBC, right? Yeah. Uh, what, was, <laughs> what was your favorite stop along the way to Ottawa? Did you have a favorite place that you stopped? Oh, my gosh. I can't even say favorite stop. Okay. First of all, definitely my favorite stop, Sault Ste. Marie. Those people are outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. I mean, we're talking six barbecues going. We're talking donuts and pasta. And it was unreal. I took three live videos that night and I basically held up my phone. I was bawling. I looked terrible. And I said, <laughs> judge for yourself. I'm not going to tell you what you need to think, but here's what's happening. And you judge for yourself if this isn't Canadians uniting and loving and celebrating each other. I mean, it was amazing. And we did experience that in many cities. But wow, Sault Ste. Marie represented. It was awesome. <laughs> you, know, it's, you know, it's funny because you're a Westerner. I'm a Westerner. And I think our politicians like to have us believe that the people on the ground share their sentiment about uh, Western Canada that, you know, well, when, when I might live in Alberta, but I was born and raised Nova Scotia. So I feel like I've got a quite broad spectrum of politics. I can understand that people in the East lead with their heart yeah. where people in the West, it seems they have an incredibly strong work ethic. And so I can understand and appreciate both sides. And I yeah. think that's why I felt so confident with United We Roll, because it, we're nonpartisan. We want all governments to listen to the people. I mean, it's just that simple. What happened to us having a right, having a say and having our voices heard? It's incredibly empowering. And it's very sad how much you get bullied the minute you speak out. You know, I. Just moreover to your point, um, I think that um, uh, like us in the West and you from the East, but you're a Westerner now, I'll take you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I really don't think that um, we're all that different. And I think our politicians like to sow the seeds of division. Sure but I really is. think we're all I really think we're all in this together. And I think those stops 
along the convoy in places where, as Albertans, we normally wouldn't think those people are, are really care about we us and support us. We were terrified to pull across the Ontario border. We had no yeah. idea how we were going to be received. We were literally terrified. That was the moment, I think, when reality hit. And we pulled into Dryden and we were so well received with hundreds of people that it actually delayed us and we had to use our contingency day to stay over in Thunder Bay. I mean, it, it's amazing. And then we show up at Thunder Bay and there's hundreds of people there with waters and chips and sandwiches. I mean, this was the most Canadian experience I've ever felt in my entire life. And I feel like not only have we woken people up that they're allowed to have an opinion and feelings on things, but I think we might have even sparked a little bit of flame of confidence. And people uh, might call us a rebel, but I don't think it's rebel as much as it is brave. Yeah, and you know what? I think it's funny because at the Rebel, we, we call ourselves rebels, um, but I think we represent the views of the mainstream, like the I mean mainstream people who are maybe afraid to speak out to say the things that we say but they're cheering for us and of and, course they're afraid to say it the minute yeah. you say anything that's somewhat controversial or defending blue grass i mean just regular people the minute you say anything against the mainstream media or your government you're a racist and who wants to be called that i mean that actually really hurts so it takes a lot of guts and a real thick skin to say, all right, I'm willing to put myself out there. I know how I'm going to be branded, but I've got to say, like, it's the silent majority. And those people cheered us along and ran out with their little toddlers up on their shoulders at the dark of night. I mean, we had fireworks at Native Reserves. We were so well received and we were bawling the entire way. Canadians love each other. And I'm so proud of what we've done because we've taken those borders and we've completely destroyed them. I wanted to ask you, because I'm sure you guys were probably very acutely aware of what was being said about you um, oh, by by the media and by left-wing politicians along the way. What did the convoyers um, have to say about that? Or what, what did they feel when they read those things that were being said about them? I mean, to say that we were frustrated would be an incredible understatement. But one thing that we've always really remained focused on is it's a hockey analogy. The moment you've got the puck, you're going to be attacked. So we're confident and strong enough in the love that we are sharing that we know we're being attacked because we've done something amazing. Like we've done something that politicians would be envious of. Our movement is so authentic and raw and we've made mistakes and we've been laid and we're not perfect, but we're real. And that is so inspiring to all Canadians. I mean, it's a true movement of love. And I got to tell you, it was completely by accident we could have never anticipated this kind of love and support. We were truly just proud to get the trucks up on the hill. And that was yeah. an incredible moment. But the real story is the Canadians. I mean, the love that we felt when we drive by and in the snow is spray painted, welcome Alberta truckers. We love Canadian oil and gas. This has opened my eyes and my heart, and I'm just, I mean, I'm over the moon, thrilled, and joyed to be part of something so beautiful. Um, now, 
uh, Justin Trudeau said something to the effect that there were, you know, extremist elements within your convoy. Um, and he never came out to meet with you. Neither did any of the Alberta Liberal MPs, including the uh, Natural Resources Minister, Amarjeet Sohi, who says that he cares about pipelines. Alberta's newest senator, Paula Simons, she never came out to meet with you guys. Um, oh, uh, I mean, I just think that's just so disrespectful. It's I a huge missed yeah. opportunity. I mean, if they truly championed the working class and and had a love and respect for Canadian resources, this would have been a beautiful platform. We brought it to their doorstep. You, we couldn't have made it any easier for them to come out and clarify and say, hey, Albertans, we love you. They're so repulsed by what we do that they couldn't even bring themselves to come out and acknowledge the sacrifice that was made by these people who are laid off, out of work, broke. I mean, some of these people couldn't even afford their hotel rooms. But I've got to let you know, Canadians have stepped up and they've said, keep going. We've got your back. And we are so grateful for the support that we've received. We're, we, were, we didn't go there hoping that the government would change. Obviously, we need to inspire people to not vote liberal. Um, the East needs to change their opinion. And I really hope as a Nova Scotia that I can have a little bit of influence in that. I think you're a pretty good advocate for Nova Scotians in Alberta. Um, yeah. I wanted I, I wanted to ask you, um, you didn't have a lot of support from like mainstream politicians in the beginning. But I saw well, the tide turning the last week. We had both of our federal MPs from Red Deer, Earl Dreeshin yeah. and Blaine Calkins, both showed yeah. up at Gord's Truck Wash for the send-off. Oh, I've got to say, that touched my heart. Um, I, I noticed, you know, Jason Kenney tweeting support. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Shear came out to speak. Maxime Bernier, um, he's not scared to speak in front of anybody. Um, yeah. So you finally did get that mainstream support. But at right. the very same time, the mainstream media was turning around and trying to say to them, well, why are you speaking with these white supremacists? Why are right. you speaking at an event where Faith Goldie spoke, which isn't even true. Faith Goldie, like her or hate her, she didn't speak at your event. She was no. off somewhere else standing on a, spe a piece of scaffolding. You guys didn't have her speak at your event. The mainstream media, who weren't even there for the most part, are just reporting a complete and total lie. You couldn't be more correct. I mean, I'm not going to say for a second that this wasn't the most challenging obstacle that I've ever taken on in my life. That's why I have mad respect for Glenn Carrot. I mean, he's put a lot on the line to stand up for his industry and his fellow Albertans. And I just have a lot of respect for that. Obviously, that's what inspired me to do the same. I'm an oil field wife and I, ha I love Canada's resources. I love them. I'm proud of them. And I think that it's a very sad tragedy for our economy that we aren't getting behind pipelines. I just don't understand it. So that's why I feel like if you don't understand it, it's obviously political, right? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. Um, now, what's next for you guys? I know that you will have to deal with some of the financial issues of getting people there and getting people back and reimbursing out-of-pocket costs. 
Um, but what comes next for the United We Roll Convoy? I know Glenn is a real guy with a real job um, and a local municipal politician, so he's yeah. bitten off a lot. But what happens next? I don't think this is over. You know what? I would agree with you. And the reason why we know it's not over is that, I mean, we just headed out this morning and people are messaging us on Facebook. Can you stop here? Can you please stop here? I mean, the support is still there and we weren't sure. I mean, this nobody's ever done what we've done. So how could we know what to expect? But I've got to say the love is so overwhelming that we feel like we can't stop. You're exactly right. So I don't know, maybe it turns into a nonprofit and we do more work for the people. I'm not sure what it looks like. And honestly, I don't want to be painted into a box. I just want to say we're incredibly proud and grateful for the love and support that we've received. And we're not going to come home and park it and walk away. We're going to find a way to empower people to have voices and to help our communities. Because it seems like the government's not interested in either. Well, Haley, I want to thank you so much for being such a strong advocate for, I suppose it's your industry and mine too. We're both oil field wives. Um, but, uh, you know, for the resource sector and for the prosperity of all Canadians. And, um, you know, I, I watched all of Kean's reports on oh, uh, that fantastic. you can. Oh, that kid worked night and day. And I felt amazing. I felt sorry because. He was sitting on a bus. You guys yeah. were driving. like, and I, and I felt tired for him. So I know that you guys, you know, that is a long day behind the wheel of a vehicle. But um, if people want to see what you guys really pulled off, logistically speaking, you can see all our viewers at home can see all of Kian's reports at rebelconvoy.com. Um, but Haley, I, I know I'm going to see you around Alberta. I think uh, you and I are going to an event probably next week regarding the bighorn uh, um, um, so that I can see you and really thank you in person. I'd like to thank you too, Sheila. And I've got to say it's strong, courageous women like yourself and myself that are going to make a difference. And I couldn't be more proud to be on your show. I completely endorse what you're doing. You're speaking the truth. And I can personally tell you, it takes a lot of bravery for a woman to do that. And I have a lot of respect for you. So thank you for giving me an opportunity to champion our resources and to stand up for Canadian voices. Haley, if you keep talking like that, you're going to be back on here a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> you're awesome, girl. Okay, Haley, I want to uh, wish you and Glenn and everybody on the convoy a safe trip home. And everybody at home, stay tuned. More up next after the break. Thank you, Sheila. We try to save this last portion of the show for you at home. We like to take your comments, your suggestions, and sometimes even your hate mail, although I have none today. Earlier this afternoon, David Menzies and I filled in for Ezra on his weekly YouTube live chat show called Battleground. There we talk about, well, really anything you want us to talk about. It's unscripted, it's fun, you see us in a way you won't normally see us, and you get to control the agenda. Now, on the show today, we talked about ISIS brides who now want to be repatriated to their countries of origin. I maybe, maybe impolitely said that they can rot wherever they are because they were complicit at best or participatory at worst in a genocide. David and I both pointed out how ridiculous it is for the progressive left 
to now look at these women who went to Syria with their eyes wide open as sad little victims now. Ron Joseph writes, Sheila, it was refreshing to get a normal woman's view on returning ISIS brides. Leave them there and their babies too. The other day I listened to a UK show where the majority agreed with you and David, but around four low IQ women called everyone a lynch mob and said the ISIS women were only naive for going to Syria. Well, thank you, Ron. I would like to see these women's innocent babies rescued from their horrific mothers. But these women went to Syria after the atrocities happening there were very well documented. In fact, I would suggest that they went there specifically because the atrocities were happening. And only now they want to come home because the caliphate has fallen around them and it's no fun anymore. You know, in the past three weeks, three of our rebel colleagues have been attacked while they were working. My dear friend and colleague David Menzies and my beloved videographer Efron were attacked by a highly agitated maniacal Radisson hotel employee in Toronto and it was all caught on camera. And my hardworking Calgary colleague Rebel Kean Bexty had his equipment smashed and was assaulted by Antifa in Ottawa while he was covering the United We Roll convoy for Canada. And it happened right in front of the police. We are fighting back though. We are suing Radisson Hotels and we have issued a bounty for the identity of Kean's attacker now to see the full story and to help cover the costs associated with this very expensive undertaking. Go to findthethug.com. Now in response to Rebel Commander Ezra Levant's tweets on the subject, Rand Steve writes, these lunatics have been emboldened by the arrogant self-righteousness of the left who paint conservatives as Nazis. Adding to the insanity is Canada's top civil servant today suggesting that political assassination might be on the horizon for Canada. Incredible. Well, Rand, you make a very salient point there. The punch Nazis crowd gets the message loud and clear when the bar is moved for them. When establishment elites like Gerald Butts are calling anybody to the right of Hugo Chavez, a far-right Nazi, that gives people like Antifa permission to attack not just us, but anybody who shares an opinion they might disagree with. And if Canada's top civil servant is worried about political violence, I think he's looking in the wrong direction. Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you for bearing with me as I fill in for the big boss while he's away in the UK supporting Tommy Robinson. Thank you to everybody in the office for working so very hard to put the show together tonight. Ezra's back again on Monday. And remember, don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think.